This is episode 288 of That Shakespeare Life. Just like the work of William Shakespeare, That Shakespeare Life is supported by our patrons. Listeners just like you help support our show, contribute directly to programming, and can access over 150 additional episodes of our show not available on public listening platforms. Find out more and sign up today at patreon.com slash That Shakespeare Life. Hi, I'm Mara J. Graber. I'm the author of the book, What Have We Here? Another great method for studying the life of William Shakespeare includes listening to this. It's That's Shakespeare Life with my friend Cassidy Cash. Possibly Robert Greene, the one who um, I think made some very disparaging remarks about Shakespeare in his life, might have written the play Georgia Green, where Robin Hood and Maid Marian and such show up as minor characters in there. And they appear again in another play called Look About You, which is from around 1600 and immediately borrows Monday's idea of Robin Hood being the Earl of Hunting and Welcome to That Shakespeare Life with Cassidy Cash. Cassidy believes that if you desire to successfully learn or perform Shakespeare's plays, then understanding the real life and history of William Shakespeare himself is a must. That Shakespeare Life is the podcast that helps you go beyond the curtain of some of Shakespeare's most iconic works and explore the world of early modern England as Shakespeare would have lived it, learning from the writers, historians, and performers who know it best. And now, here's Cassidy. William Shakespeare refers to the legend of Robin Hood in his play As You Like It, with the old duke exiled to the forest of Arden with a group of merry men who, quote, live like the old Robin Hood of England. That comes from Act One, Scene One. In his play Two Gentlemen of Verona, Shakespeare again mentions the Robin Hood legend when an outlaw exclaims, quote, by the bare scalp of Robin Hood's fat friar, end quote. The accompanying characters of the Robin Hood story find their place in Shakespeare's plays when in Henry IV Part One and Henry IV Part Two, Falstaff talks about Maid Marian and Falstaff's companion Justice Silence sings a song about, quote, and Robin Hood, Scarlet and John, end quote. What these references tell us is that the legend of Robin Hood was an active part of the history of William Shakespeare and the pop culture of the time period that he was writing within. But the legend of Robin Hood is quite fluid throughout history, with it being used as a symbol for both good as well as a symbol for insurrection and a general debate about who he was, whether he was based on a real person, and whether he was a hero or a villain was all going on during Shakespeare's lifetime. Here today to tell us about the history of Robin Hood from Shakespeare's lifetime is our guest and expert on Robin Hood, Alan Wright. Alan Wright is a historian of Robin Hood and writes for the website he founded titled Robin Hood Bold Outlaw of Barnsdale and Sherwood, which is filled with detailed history on Robin Hood, the Robin Hood legends, and provides a comprehensive look at the legend, the myth, and the facts about this well-known character. Find links to Alan's work and his website in today's show notes. Hello, Alan. Welcome to That Shakespeare Life. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Really excited to dive into the history of Robin Hood. And I'm wondering about the ballads about Robin Hood. Were there ballads about this legend printed during Shakespeare's lifetime? You know, we we can be pretty sure that there are. But it's almost this weird gap that we have some before Shakespeare's lifetime. And we have a whole bunch just after Shakespeare's lifetime. And 
one of the most famous ballads from around 1500, the late 1400s, had a big reprinting in 1560. So that's just before Shakespeare's birth. And there's some stationary records where they have titles that are, we don't have that ballad until about 100 years later, but they're all references around Shakespeare's life to the Robin Hood legend where they look and go, oh, well, that's a story from this ballad that survives in the 1600s or 1700s. So we know they were there and we don't have them always, some of those stories. And the the one that was printed in 1560 again by William Copeland included two play texts. And this alludes to a, a tradition that was going on from the 1400s well into the 1600s, which are sort of Robin Hood plays or games, they're called. They're not formal, like, say, Shakespeare's plays. They were village festivals. Sometimes they're like this 1560 text has some written drama. Other times it looks like it's just people dressed up as Robin Hood collecting money, uh, buy a little badge or something to say you're one of Robin Hood's men and the money goes to repair the local church you know, just entertaining things. And this is at various points in England and Scotland. So this was certainly something that Shakespeare would know. But the the ballads had to be sort of there because the references we get in other sources, they're referring to something. And then we have a ballad about that story later. And I don't think the people referring to them created the idea. So it's a bit of a lost tradition. Now, when you're saying that these are not formal plays like Shakespeare's plays, but more like village festivals, are you talking yeah. about things like the May Games? Yeah, the, the, that's what they're most often called. And it's not actually held May 1st, as I think a lot of people would think it would be. They're they're held different times of the year, but one of the, the, the big ones, and if I can say it actually coming up uh, the weekend after we record this, is... Pentecost or Whit Sunday, and that's the most common time, which is in late May, early June. And that, the, but the, they're all different parts of the year, but that's what they're most commonly called. The text in 1560 refers to the plays he's printing with it as can be performed in the May games. So that's definitely what people would think of. The legend Robin Hood is strongly associated with Richard the Lionheart and the infamous King John of England. Was Robin Hood associated with these historical figures for Shakespeare's lifetime? Yes, in Shakespeare's lifetime and more so in Shakespeare's lifetime than earlier, because the the first chroniclers in the 1400s and 1500s that drop Robin Hood into their histories all pick different kings to do so. So you have ones in the reign of Henry III, Edward I, and Richard I, King Richard, the Lionheart. And the one of the early medieval ballads reprinted, the king is called Edward in it. Uh, as to which Edward, there's all kinds of debates, whether you like a real Robin Hood from Edward II's reign or you like the sort of propaganda around Edward III's reign or Edward IV, it, it's all... Thing, but but in 1521, John Major said Richard and John, and that throughout into Shakespeare's lifetime, and definitely when he was writing the plays, had become 
not the universal association as it is now, but probably the predominant one. So yeah, that that is an element there. And there were stories in Shakespeare's time that that had King Richard and John in them. Now, at least one of the Robin Hood stories has him known as Robin of Loxley because Robin Hood is supposed to have been born in Loxley, England. Alan, is there a real Loxley, England? And was it in existence for Shakespeare's lifetime? And in the 16th century, was Robin Hood thought to be from Loxley? There's more than one Loxley in England. Uh, There isn't one in Nottinghamshire where the original reference from around 1600 the sort of life of Robin Hood in something called the Sloan Manuscript says he was born in Loxley. And there's a story not, I think, just around the end of Shakespeare's life that said maybe he killed his stepfather in that in that area. But that uh, Loxley, most people think, is going to be the Loxley in Yorkshire, which is a village that's actually now part of the modern day city of Sheffield. And that fits with a lot of the Robin Hood locations being in Yorkshire rather than Nottinghamshire. But there is another Loxley that's just outside Stratford-upon-Avon. And in the 19th century, there was an attempt to say that a knight from King Richard's day, uh, sorry, Robert Fitzodo, was actually the real Robin Hood. I don't hold to that theory. I definitely believe the person who wrote Hamlet was born in Warwickshire. I don't think Robin Hood was. Well, at least we can connect him to our favorite (laughs) little section of England there. Now, public opinion concerning whether Robin Hood is a good guy or a bad guy is a debate still continuing into the present day. For the 16th century and early 17th century, when Shakespeare was alive, Alan, what period references or accounts do we have that might shine a light on which side of the good versus bad guy debate there people in Shakespeare's lifetime would have thought about Robin Hood? Where did they place him? Well, there are a lot of different things. I mean, the the sort of Going into Shakespeare's life, the kind of attitude towards Robin Hood was he's a criminal and a rebel and a murderer and a robber, but he was the best of a bad lot. That if you were going to like a criminal, that this guy was better than the others because he occasionally helped people or, you know, there, there's just this sort of hint about that in different references like with John Major in 1521 to Shakespeare's day, uh, Richard Grafton in 1568 has that again sort of sense and going into to John Stowe in the 1590s all have that. Though by the time you get to, to John Stowe talking about Robin Hood, you get a lot more of he basically robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. And more of the helpful thing. So by the time Shakespeare was writing, at least there was official condemnation of Robin Hood still and people looking down on. But the sort of redemption of the character was definitely there and pretty much happening during Shakespeare's lifetime. For example, he was originally a sort of middle-class character, a yeoman, which means all different things in the Middle Ages. But in Shakespeare's time, uh, Richard Grafton, 1568, uh, calls him an earl, so a noble. 
and that gets repeated into Shakespeare's lifetime quite a bit. And that's a major change to the character of Robin Hood. But there were people still condemning Robin Hood in his day, in Shakespeare's day, and for long after, too. So it's complex. We know that Shakespeare mentions Robin Hood and various parts of the Robin Hood legend in his plays. But what are, I guess, are there any complete plays from Shakespeare's lifetime that can be considered a Robin Hood play? Or were there any complete stories based on this legend? There are a bunch of Robin Hood plays produced in Shakespeare's lifetime. Uh, The biggest one, the the most important, well, it's actually two, uh, is by a playwright called Anthony Monday, with some rewrites by Henry Chettle. And that's the downfall of Robert Earl of Huntingdon, and then the sequel, The Death of Robert Earl of Huntingdon. And that's the first one to give... Though Robin had been called an Earl for about 50 years, that's the first one to give him the title Earl of Huntingdon. And there's all kinds of debates why he's called that. I kind of go with the scholar Stephen Knight, who just said it sounds good. If you're going to if you're going to pick a real earldom to give Robin Hood and and it was a real earldom, then one with the word hunting in it sounds the best. And that that is a very inactive sort of Robin, but it does have him in King Richard's King Richard is there. King Richard and and King John's mother, Eleanor, is romantically obsessed with Robin Hood in this play and tries to pretend to be Marion and hit on him. And especially in the sequel, once Robin Hood is killed quite early on. A lot of it is about King John pursuing uh, Marion or Matilda because Monday worked it in with this existing story of one of the Baron's daughters that King John is supposed to have pursued. That's the one that everyone sort of knows because it it helps shape the legend that exists today from that. So these characters of Marion and... John, are, these are the same characters that kind of stay with the Robin Hood legend on into today. Were these, I think, when I think of the 20th century version of Robin Hood, the characters that I know of are obviously Robin Hood himself, but then there's also Little John, Friar Tuck, and Maid Marian. And you mentioned that Mundy had her being called Matilda, but that that character was still there. Are these other characters also part of the Robin Hood legend from Shakespeare's lifetime, or were there others? Yeah, there are a bunch. Uh, Little John's been there pretty much from the beginning. Like the the early references to Robin Hood in the 1400s include Little John. He's in all the ballads that do exist from around the 1460s, so about 100 years before Shakespeare was born. And he stayed consistently in there. Maid Marian and Friar Tuck have an odd history that they came in through the May game tradition. And the the ballads where those two characters appear are very few and they're they're late ballads. They're not there wasn't really a, there's not a surviving ballad from Shakespeare's day. Again, there are hints that maybe there are things we don't have and that some of the ones we have later might have existed in some form earlier. So I don't want to say absolutely there were none because you can't. But the the references to Fire Tuck and Marion being in the Robin Hood legend 
are all from doing these village festivals and then in their plays. They're all over them, but not so much the ballads. Uh, you also have Will Scarlet or Scathlock and and he goes by various names. And sometimes, as Monday did, he made them actually half-brothers, Will Scarlet and Will Scathlock. So even though I'm sure they were originally just variations of the name for the same person, Georgia Green is a... Um, character from a ballad that we don't have until after Shakespeare's day, but there's a reference to a ballad with that title of being published in Shakespeare's day, the Jolly Pinder of Whitefield. So we know it's there and someone possibly Robert Green, the one who um, I think made some very disparaging remarks about Shakespeare in his life might've written the play Georgia Green where Robin Hood and Maid Marian and such show up as minor characters in there. And they appear again in another play called look about you, which is from around 1600 and immediately borrows Monday's idea of Robin Hood being the Earl of hunting and, Unless, of course, it actually came from some other place and we've lost the source for both. I I say that because the more I learn about Robin Hood, I always feel the less I actually know. And there, there's a lot of gray areas there of things we've lost. Isn't it fun how the study of history works that way? <laughs> yeah. And shout out to the Kevin Costner version of Robin Hood, since in that movie, Will Scarlet and Robin Hood are also half brothers. So if you need a yeah. modern movie where you can say, oh, this is historical research, I'm watching Monday's uh, version play out there. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in that in Monday, it was Scarlet and Scathlock. But the 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 brother relationship in, in Costner is from a slightly later one where Will Scarlet is Robin Hood's. Well, they call him cousin. But they also say it's his sister's son, so technically it's nephew and cousin is used in a more generic sense. People who make Robin Hood younger tend to take the cousin part literally because it makes them about the same age. I see. Now, speaking of connections, what about a connection between Robin Hood and characters like Puck or Robin Goodfellow? When we see them come up in Shakespeare's plays, should we see those characters as the same figure as Robin Hood? Yeah, that, you know, this is an area where it can go into a real slippery slope real fast. I think there is a connection, but it is not as strong a connection as the, the sort of mythologists of the 1920s made where they tried to make Robin Hood a sort of watered down figure of pagan mythology. But that said, I mean, both of them are called Robin and both of them have an Ood sound in it. And Hobgoblin, Hob is a short form for Robert. And there is a historical figure who may or may not be the original Robin Hood from 1225, who's also known as Hobba Hood. So, you know, there, there's a name connection, but also their personality. They're both tricksters. I mean, in Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck talks about Nain in the likeness of a Philly foal. And, you know, there's the line about misleading uh, night wanders and such, which if you think about Robin Hood in the ballads and the plays assumes many disguises and he waylays travelers. And, you know, there's a sense even in some forms that Puck helps people and Robin Hood does too. So I have to think that there is some 
sense. Indeed, uh, Robert Cecil, uh, Cecil, who's one of the landowners in, in like the 1650s, there's a line where they say it's like neither Robin Hood nor Robin Goodfellow. It's, you know, R- Robin, the enclosure of Hatfield Wood. <laughs> so uh, whoever wrote those lines certainly was connecting Robin Goodfellow and Robin Hood in their mind. In his writings on BoldOutlaw.com, Alan writes about the influence of the Robin Hood legend on into the 17th century, but still within Shakespeare's lifetime, citing the group that committed the gunpowder plot. And he says that they were called the Robin Hoods at the time this event occurred in 1605. Alan, what was the relationship between the Robin Hood legend and the staunchly Protestant stance of England during Shakespeare's lifetime? Yeah, William Cecil does refer to them in his notes as Robin Hoods, which is something that Robin Hood gets kind of attacked from all sides. He gets attacked from Puritans and he gets attacked from Catholics. Uh, For example, in Scotland in 1562, it's Mary Queen of Scots who bans the Robin Hood plays. And there are all kinds of bishops in the, you know, Protestant bishops and before that Catholic bishops who were attacking Robin Hood as being too pagan or too Catholic once the English got in control. And yet Robin Hood also robs priests. And right after Shakespeare's lifetime, that kind of became a um, a virtue, actually. They almost became like a sort of Protestant figure by robbing Catholics. But it's really complex. You know, I know it's going a little outside of Shakespeare's lifetime, but Ben Johnson did the uh, a play called The Sad Shepherd, which he didn't finish. And he has them attack the Puritan attitudes of shutting down the May games. And, and Robin and his friends are very critical of the Puritan attitude towards that. And yet a Puritan... Uh, Hugh Middleton founded a Robin Hood club in London in 1613. And, you know, apparently may or may not have been the same as a Robin Hood club 150 years later. The the references I see to it are a bit confusing. I was wondering about the Robin Hood club because this was... In in the 18th century, there was a religious debate club in England known as the Robin Hood Society, and they met to argue over the Bible, religion, and theology. But there was this similar group, although probably less formal, that met during the reign of James I. Yeah. Why why were they meeting? Were they also debating the Bible and religion, or and yeah, why were they associated yeah. with Robin Hood? They, they, it seemed like they were questioning things. It really is like there's only a handful of references to it. And some of them make it sound like it's the same club, that it's an outgrowth. Because I, I had to sort of look at some of the references and one of them skips from the 1630s. And suddenly they're mentioning something that happened in the 1750s. Like, is it meant to be the same club? Because other references suggest it's too different. But I think if you want to be considered a sort of outlaw rebel, whether justified or something, Robin Hood is a good name to use. I mean, even even in Shakespeare's day, there is a sense of the good outlaw and sort of living as an alternative society, like, say, in As You Like It, with the, the reference to them living as Robin Hood of old. Alan's 
website on Robin Hood is a treasure trove of information about the legend and the facts of the Robin Hood history. And we'll link to his website in the show notes today with a hearty recommendation that you explore there further to learn more about Robin Hood. But Alan, as someone who has done perhaps more research into this legend than anyone else, I want to ask you for some recommendations for our listeners that they can use in addition to your website to explore more about the history of Robin Hood, both from Shakespeare's lifetime and beyond. What are some of your favorite books or resources you can recommend we use to learn more? Well, one of the, if you want a very good text of Robin Hood ballads and plays, then Robin Hood and Other Outlaw Tales, edited by Stephen Knight and Tom Olgren, which is online at the Robin Hood Project from the University of Rochester as well. And the, the Robin Hood Project has added more stuff outside of that book to have pretty much all of the Robin Hood texts that you would want to find. And a lot of them include Stephen Knight and Thomas Olgren's introductions to them. So that's a, a fantastic resource. Stephen Knight's books in general are good, but I would say for a newer one, Story Worlds of Robin Hood by Leslie Coote that was just published, I think, in the last year, does a really good look at sort of the cultural context that the Robin Hood story first arose in. And I think that's a a really fresh and interesting look at the legend. Those are excellent resources. We will link to these along with Alan's website in the show notes for today's episode. So hang on for that URL for where to find that. Alan, we ask everyone this next question here at That Shakespeare Life, and that's what's the one book you would take with you on a deserted island? My friends in England tell me I'm supposed to allow you the complete works of Shakespeare and a copy of the Bible. So your choice would be in addition to those. You know, I I am going to go with a Robin Hood one. And Actually, I'm not going to go with the one I mentioned, even the Robin Hood and other outlaw tales, which is also on the the website uh, from Rochester is a really, really thick book. I like a slightly smaller one, which is by R.B. Dobson, Barry Dobson and Jay Taylor called Rhymes of Robin Hood, first published in 1976, uh, reprinted in 1989 with an extra introduction and reprinted again in 1997 with a further introduction and it's that 1997 version i'd want with me because i think in about 30 or 40 pages they do a really good summary of the history of robin hood in very clear and understandable english they have a nice curated collection of ballads they have lists of references and place names and maps. And and it's also one of the ones when I was in high school and as a really precocious teenager, decide I was going to raid the local university's library to do my independent study on Robin Hood, which just came from me. Hey, I liked Robin Hood as a kid. I wonder if there's something there. And that was one of the books I discovered that kind of opened my world to the broad broader Robin Hood scholarship. And I actually met Barry Dobson, the writer at two conferences. I was one of the sweetest men I've ever met. And so I'd take that one with me. What a special selection. I think that that is not only a perfect way to spend your time on a deserted island, but quite in line with your reputation for knowing about Robin Hood. I think that's a great selection. Thank you for that. So what's next for you? What are you working on now that you're excited about? Oh, well, there's a few things I can't uh, talk about yet that I'm not allowed to, one of which 
or actually two of which involve Robin Hood. And uh, some of them have been, they've been kind of quietly percolating in the background for quite a while now. So um, that's something I hope I'll be able to talk about some other time in the future. I also do a podcast which is tangentially related to Robin Hood, and that's called Straight Out of the Federation, which is on the Right On Network, which is not actually named after me because one of my unrelated co-hosts has the same last name as me. And uh, that's on Blake 7, which is a 1970s, early 80s science fiction series from Great Britain that is in many ways Robin Hood in space. And I get to talk about the just outlaw and when you can cross from freedom fighting into possibly terrorism and the moral complexities of it, which are all sort of my Robin Hood muscles being flexed. That sounds like an exciting topic. We're really excited to have you here today. Alan, thank you so much for sharing with us the history of Robin Hood and how it fits into Shakespeare's lifetime. This has been a fun conversation. I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed doing this. If you like the show today, be sure to let us know about it. Please drop us a rating and a review on the platform you're listening from today. Every rating and review that you provide to our show lets other Shakespeare fans find out about that Shakespeare life. And as you know, we love connecting with other Shakespeareans. Now, if you'd like to see more in-depth history about Robin Hood and some of the links to people like John Stowe and Robert Greene that talk about Robin Hood directly from Shakespeare's lifetime, we have packed the show notes with tons of archival information, including images, portraits, documents, and more that relate to the conversation we're talking about today. You can see all of these things, along with links to Alan's work and his website, All About Robin Hood History, at CassidyCash.com slash episode 288. That's CassidyCash.com slash EP 288. Now, if you enjoy our show here each week and you want to hear even more interviews about what it was like to live in turn of the 17th century England the way Shakespeare would have lived it, then consider becoming a patron. In addition to over 150 extra episodes available from our back catalog on Patreon, you can also access our patrons-only benefits, including bonus episodes, there's video content like documentaries and animated versions of Shakespeare's plays, along with hands-on history activity kits that you can use to take slices of Shakespeare's history and try it out for yourself at home. So the history that you're learning about here on the show, you can dive in even deeper with downloads and activities and more. Explore all there is on offer at patreon.com slash that Shakespeare life. That's patreon.com slash that Shakespeare life. That Shakespeare Life is researched and produced by me, Cassidy Cash. Our audio engineer is Gary Mayholm. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Cassidy Cash, and I hope you learn something new about the Bard. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to That Shakespeare Life. As always, the best conversations happen after the episode over at CassidyCash.com. Become a part of a vibrant Shakespeare conversation by adding your voice over at the website. Until next time, remember, when you want to know William Shakespeare, you have to go behind the curtain and into That Shakespeare Life.